Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the Waterline podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. People ask me all the time, Shane, what's the future look like? Are we going to flourish? Are we are we going to drive ourselves to extinction? Are we going to destroy everything? Are we going to create heaven on earth? A big part of that incredibly complicated question is water. Water is absolutely fundamental to life. And knowing what is going on with water, the various technologies, the economics, political, social, behavioral, technological, and environmental aspects of water around the globe is really fundamental to understanding questions like that. And if you guys are into science and learning about things that affect our lives and the world, which I know you are, I believe the Waterline podcast is for for you. I just finished a episode called Water for All Regulation all about comparing the different regulations in different areas like the Israeli water law passed in 1959 and comparing how their system of of regulating water compares to California's model of regulating and how We might work together to figure out the best pros and the cons of different systems all around the world. Very, very important stuff. Please check out the Waterline podcast on your Android app and at the iTunes store. Hey everybody, mixing it up a little bit this week. No scientists this week. Uh, Today we're just going to be talking about flotation tanks, which is something that I'm interested in uh, as... Uh, as you know, I had Andy Puttycomb from Headspace talking about meditation last year. It was one of my favorite episodes, and so it's something that I'm into, something that I benefited from, and uh, so I thought it would be cool to have a, uh, a float tank um, facility owner and expert on the show. Uh, also, probably a lot of new listeners coming to the show this week. I've gotten a lot of responses from people I was on Ari Shafir's podcast, Skeptic Tank, uh, talking about DMT and other stuff, and I, uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, new listeners from that, and so if you are a new listener and this happens to be your first episode, uh, how how the podcast um, typically works is, is that I try not to repeat too much information, so you sort of do need to go back to the uh, beginning, if you're really into the show and this and from the beginning, because things, some of the ideas kind of build on one another. And so that's just a suggestion, something to keep in mind and not, not, uh, not necessary, but might be helpful. And speaking of earlier episodes, so, uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of feedback earlier on about, uh, some kind of bad sound mixing and about the first, be about the first 22 episodes and I changed some equipment and I changed who was uh, editing my my podcast so I've, and I've I've gotten some um, similar responses uh, or, or some similar feedback lately uh, but I'm pretty sure it's new listeners that are going back and listening to the beginning saying that the sound is a little wonky so if it is anything um, past episode 22 that's like an ongoing problem which i don't believe is the case um 
your feedback is valuable, so please let us know so we can improve upon that. Sometimes, um, you know, Ramin Nazer is editing these things. He's using nice headphones or whatever, and, and so it might sound a little bit different in your car. We don't know uh, if we don't hear from you guys, so your feedback is always appreciated. And enjoy today's episode. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. I have a very uh, exciting, well, <laughs> I don't know, maybe relaxing episode for you today. I just got out of a float tank uh, here at Just Float in uh, Pasadena, California, and I'm sitting down with the owner, Jim Hefner, who uh, we're going to be uh, talking all about floating today. It's my, it was my second float. This one was a bit more successful, so I was excited that I had it uh, right before this interview. But anyway, uh, thanks for joining me, Jim. It's my pleasure uh, uh, to, to be here, even though I'm in my space, but that you made it and <laughs> you had your next float. And I'm very excited to hear how it went. And Yeah, I well, and you just had a float as well. Right? I did. Um, so we're both nice and relaxed for this uh very high pressure uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, I, yeah, this is my second float. So I had my first float was about nine months ago, and it was great. I I liked it. It was it was in Florida, and I should have tried to remember the name of the place before talking about it. But it was it was in pods. Uh, they they just had a pod, and um, so for the listeners, it's just like kind of a shell that you're in and a I don't know eight by eight little pool filled with um salt, warm body temperature salt water and and the the gist of it is you just sit there and float and kind of and kind of meditate essentially and my first time it was the 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 pod often needed to be cracked open a little bit or it got too warm mm-hmm. and then um and then that i felt like it didn't get as dark as yours did uh, i felt like i was there's still a little bit of light and it wasn't soundproofed quite as much i could sometimes hear if there's like people in the halls or that sort of thing and it wasn't a big deal at all but but uh then to come to your facility facility where you have uh, this is the the world's largest or country world's largest world's largest. How many how many tanks are here? We have eleven tanks. Um, that's uh, and, and and I mean, each room is is like a chamber uh, essentially with the door and a, a much bigger surface. And and once it's closed and the lights go off, it was pure a hundred percent black there was times i couldn't tell if my eyes were open or i'd forget if my eyes were open or not and uh and no sound whatsoever i didn't hear a thing other than eventually a a few audio hallucinations or my my body adjusting or some something like that some sort of uh I, i could hear my heart at some point and i did an hour and a half i did two hours the first time and i think it was about a half hour too long um, 
for my first time or the mood that I was in or whatever. And this time, the hour and a half went by so quickly, I couldn't believe uh, <laughs> when it was done. And now I feel incredibly refreshed and full of energy. And I went through, I just got back from, I was on the road for three months. I just got back. And anytime I get back from off the road, I almost always hit this day. Usually when I'm back two or three days, I usually, usually get a, a like very serious bout of depression. I just always know it's going to happen. Just one day I'll wake up with just, crippling depression and like oh i guess i can't do anything today and uh and so i had a i had a pretty rough day dealing with that yesterday even though i'm like eh, I'm, I'm used to this it goes away in a few days or whatever mm-hmm. but uh it was definitely very nice to come in here today still having a little bit of that lingering and right now i feel just fantastic uh, just i mean i got in and within um I, I talked about float tanks with Andy Puttycomb um, of of Headspace on, on the uh, our meditation episode a while back, and um, often as part of the meditation, he has you scan down your body and kind of notice if anything's tight or anything feels good or whatever. And I noticed this the first time as well. I mean, within like one minute, I was scanning my body and I couldn't. There's never been a time where I've meditated outside of a float tank where I didn't notice some little tweaked thing or some bit of soreness or whatever. And this is, I I scanned twice and I couldn't feel a single thing where I was like a tad bit sore or anything. And I have a bad foot too that I have a lot of pain with. So, um, so it was amazing. So, so there's my beautiful my whole story of of, uh, of what just happened. So, thank you very much. No, it's uh, it's it's our pleasure, really. All all of all of this and getting you in the float tank and um, what I would say is sort of providing you with a proper float experience. Um, certainly, what we're about here, um, making sure that the the float tank or what we call them here, float cabins, um, since they are very large that the water quality is maintained impeccably, the water temperature is maintained um, within two-tenths of a degree, um, the air temperature, the air humidity, the CO2 level from your own respiration, all of these, you know, of course, the, 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 the darkness and the soundproofing and, like, all of these things that happen in there, um, we're pretty fanatical about. Matter of fact, we're, 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 we're extremely fanatical about. And this is our um, sort of, sort of our, our, our mission and also... Um, sort of our privilege to do this properly. And that's what this vision has been about um, from the very beginning for us. Uh, the humidity was a difference that I noticed because the first time I felt, uh, I felt, I felt the pod was uh, just, you know, it's not really ventilated or anything unless you crack the little shell. And, um, and, and it was hard to get the shell just right where it wasn't like too cool or wasn't getting too hot and, and uh, definitely the humidity was um, absolutely perfect this time. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, the, it's it's certainly being grateful for all the people that ran float centers sort of through the kind of the dark ages when, when floating was not very popular. And there was a one or a two tank thing here in the back of somebody's house or back of some spa or whatever. The very few float centers over the last decade. And so, you know, could I ask you quick about uh, the, the history of 
of, sure. of float tanks? Sure. Of where they started? What what kind of the idea was behind them originally? And- well, I'm 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 not a really great historian, frankly, of float <laughs> tanks. Um, of course, John Lilly was the originator of them, yeah. um, and he's um, fairly fairly sort of notorious for his um, sort of contribution, so both positive and negative. Mm. Um, we he sort of pushed it pretty far, pretty eccentric character. And, um, um, yeah, again, certainly sort of very grateful for him inventing the float tank. And this is sort of my career and what I get to do for people. Um, but at the same time is we're, we're, we, we distance ourselves quite a bit from where he went and where he ended up and his sort of notoriety and the kinds of things that he was doing, even though he was a neuroscientist, um, and he was, I'm not really familiar with, Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Most people that get in the float tank for the first time, at least sort of, um, and my apologies for not, um, presuming that, um, yeah, Lily, um, sixties, he was working for the department of defense. Um, and then in the early seventies, uh, sort of collaborated with the Samadhi people invented sort of the first commercial float tank. Um, and I'm going to completely butcher all the history because I just really haven't. I have no problem. Um, and then eventually, um, these, uh, Dr. Lilly, um, got into injecting ketamine in the float tank, having, which is a very sort of disassociative, powerful drug, um, and, um, became heavily addicted to it and went really deep, far down the rabbit hole and made all kinds of outlandish claims about aliens and talking to dolphins. And, oh, really? Um, and, um, and that was sort of, um, in my opinion, kind of the beginning and the end of the float tank because it was in whatever the late seventies and very counterculture and very hippie. And then he was the most notable and outspoken about float tanks. So he was in the press and, um, and he's talking about all of his fantastical experiences, and maybe he was talking to aliens and dolphins. I wasn't there, but certainly, <laughs> but certainly, um, you know, the media, of course, ate that up while at the same time completely turned the public off to it. Right. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the. And now we're in sort of this wave of floating and what's happening, which is an entirely different thing. And certainly, our float center is kind of the, what we believe is kind of the next generation of float tanks. These. Um, Poorly ventilated, not fully soundproof, not fully lightproof, poorly maintained. That's not what this next wave is about, as far as I can see. They're, you know, float, float centers. Um, if we're going to um, sort of, you know, br- bring this industry forward and out of its this sort of um, its infancy and really make it mainstream, the float centers around the country and the world, out in the world, have to, frankly, just sort of step up their game and do a better job and. This is I, I think we represent that fairly well here. Mm. Um, so, so what are the uh, what are the benefits of floating? Why 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 are people uh, what are people getting out of this? Yeah, I mean, I know I just talked about what I got out of it, but yeah, um, there, there's a long list of claims and benefits of people. It, it generally starts with uh, reducing people's anxiety and stress levels. Um, sort of both the same thing. Anxiety is sort of a kind of the, the, the further continuation of what stress can do to you. Um, that's the first and more, most obvious thing um, that people sort of notice or um, are attracted to early on. The And everything related to, and this is where it gets sort of more interesting, is that m- m- most 
maladies, ailments, people's complaints or whatever are somehow or other related to stress. Mm. It's Everything is exacerbated by stress. So by reducing your stress level quite a bit, and that's one of the things that actually the early science, early scientific findings are, fi- are, are, are demonstrating, um, that it improves all those other conditions that are made worse by having stress levels. Right. So for me to start walking through the list of things that we can actually um, begin to help with, if I ran through that full list, it would sound like just complete dog shit because <laughs> yeah. the list is far too long, and, cer- and certainly it can't be that good. Right, right, right. Um, but it's it's very much um, to to sort of compile that list or think about it conceptually is is uh, what does meditation help with? And that's and that's because that's in effect what we're doing here. We don't use that word very much in our language to communicate to people um, for a variety of reasons. But the the research on meditation is is pretty overwhelming and pretty convincing yeah. now. And what we do here is we have the I don't want to say the perfect vehicle, but certainly the best vehicle that we know of for helping people meditate at a level that nowhere close they can attain outside the float tank. That's what just happened to you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I meditate fairly regularly, um, just about every day. I, I don't do guided meditations every day, but uh, I, I, I attempt to and usually don't. But uh, but I definitely sit and meditate a couple times throughout the day for at least five or ten minutes. And I, I think this would be if if you just started meditating or been meditating for like a week or something like that, and you're starting to, you know, you've, you've kind of been guided through what it's supposed to be about, but it's not clicking for you yet, come and do a float tank. And it just makes everything so much easier. I mean, how can you not slip into that meditative state? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, the a, a tiny bit of mindfulness or meditation experience goes an incredibly long way in the float tank. And we see this all day, every day, and people report back to us that, oh, I, I tr- or, or, or even I tried meditating and I, I failed, which is one of the main reasons that we don't use that language mm-hmm. because there's some sort of association for a lot of people. They, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing. And something that has to be done regularly. And, right. and that's that sort of longer-term commitment where people will do it for a week or a couple of weeks maybe and then sort of trail off. And, oh, I tried and it didn't really work or it's really hard or it's really difficult or the you know the, the monkey chatter was bugging me and I just couldn't do it. But here, again, just that little tiny bit will go a really long way. And certainly that was my own personal experience in, in the float tank um, for my first float on. Yeah, I think, I mean, I was someone who was skeptical of meditation only because, you know, I, I, well, I'm a skeptic and, and also I'm, I'm kind of from a, uh, uh, I'm from a small Midwestern town where, where you don't go and do these like foo-foo things like therapy and meditate, like anything good for Sack you. Sack up, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything like good for your well-being is, is uh, just like, you know, automatically makes you a pussy. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, um, and th- there's a long history with kind of uh, meditation. I, I feel like this is kind of an exciting time for meditation because it's starting to separate from a lot of the kind of mysticism that it's been tied to for for a long time and it's becoming a lot more about just the practice rather than yeah it, i 
I, I'm not so sure it's actually separating from the mysticism as much as the reason. I mean, and certainly it is when you see these, you know, like Headspace and all these sort of apps and things coming online, and how the and how the media talks about it. Certainly, it's separated from the mysticism stuff. Um, also, another way to kind of look at it, just different perspective, is that the research has come around the back to begin to support it. Right. So, right. What, so the mysticism can sort of stay intact. We don't have to talk about it. It's sort of still there if you want to go that direction. Right, right. Um, but, um, you know, the science is, is certainly in on the meditation and, and um, on, the, on the floating is coming very, very soon. And um, there's, it's, it's exciting time for floating for sure. And I can uh, talk about that if you like. Yeah, that would be great. Um, I'm definitely interested in, in what kind of studies are being done and... Yeah, currently the only real research being done, um, and I apologize if anybody out there is doing something that I don't know of, uh, Dr. Justin Feinstein, he's at the the Laureate Institute of Brain Research in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, That's the largest private brain research institute in the world. And uh, he, um, neuroscientist, and used to did his postdoc out here at Caltech, right down the street. Anyway, now he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They moved him out there. He is doing research exclusively on floating. He has two float tanks, uh, two fMRI machines, doing brain scans pre and post float, measuring brain activity. Um, and the stuff that's coming, the early findings are um, are profound. Like what? The, the, the simplest thing to point to that actually seems very quantifiable and certainly for your audience is that um, the early findings um, suggest or actually even show or certainly in my case is that the brainwave signatures we're actually um, also doing EEG brain scans in the float tank. And we're, we've been doing some here as well, mm. um, which is super exciting. Actually, um, it's a little. It's not the traditional um, EEG device. It's like the whole cap thing. The ones that just that are just coming on right online right now. It's like the size of a tea bag, almost the same weight as one. sits right on your forehead, and it's wireless and it's waterproof and it transmits to your phone. And the shit is absolutely next level, beautiful. Apparently, the neuroscience guys are super excited about it because the the brainwave signature that it provides is like very clean, and the data they're getting is awesome. What we're seeing in the float tank very early on um, by people that are not necessarily, certainly not multiple decade-long meditators, but the brainwave signatures that we're seeing are identical or similar to that of multiple decade-long meditators. Mm. And that's some shit right there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, this is uh, so... So yogis have been uh, going up in the we, mountains and meditating for 16 hours a day, and really they just needed a float tank we, this whole time. We, we, we've usurped them, yes. Um, no, 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 yeah, sitting in a cave for decades no longer necessary. Maybe some value and merit to that, but certainly um, not in my modern lifestyle. Don't really have time for that. I'm right. happy to hop in the float tank and... Um, and, and, and just it, ask the boss for 16 years off to go yeah. hang out in a cave. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for self-actualization. I'll be back in a little while. Um, yeah, so the, the, that, that bit of um, kind of the early fight, because again, we, we, I can point at all the other research that's been done on meditation and why that's awesome and what's happened with that, because that's had about a, sort of at least a decade or 15-year head start on floating. The, That'd be great. Well, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that the, the the studies that have been done. I mean, there's been there's been a whole there's like a, there's a large body of knowledge, you know, 
frankly, none of or most of which is sort of outside what I'm currently looking at. Mm-hmm. I just know it comes in and every couple of weeks something comes across my desk that there's a new study and that it helps with this or this, you know, that people sleep better or the blood pressure or their for heart disease or whatever it is. It just, it, there's like a very large body of knowledge. Um, you know, the, the other sort of, um, very simple things. Um, it's also, uh, the things that get reported back to us most reliably, let's kind of talk about that for a second, rather than this sort of high level science or what it might mean, but, um, people just sort of re- report back this general feeling of well-being, this sort of this increased, mm-hmm. um, sort of kind of happiness index kind of thing. And it sounds, um, you know, we're actually beginning to do some qualitative research on that here. Um, it's a separate subject, but, um, so people just sort of tend to feel better and by feeling better, they tend to make sort of better decisions. And, um, you know, sort of, you know, sort of eating better and exercising better and better career choices and their friends. And we hear this all the time from people about how everything just sort of seems to be getting better when they float. Um, and you certainly sleep better, insomnia, um, also chronic pain is the one that we have people sort of come in and they, they sort of manage their pain, fibromyalgia. Um, that's really sort of down the, the heavy sort of pain rabbit hole. Um, yeah, well, uh, I, I know I went through, I had an injury and, um, and, and kind of the back end of it, I, I had, I had quit smoking for like four years and stuff. And I, and at the end of it, I just was, I got very near to a, like a psychological breakdown one month because I'd just gone through quite an ordeal and some of my old habits resurfaced. And so one of which being, um, cigarettes, which I, I go on and off from smoking and I'm, I'm always trying to quit. And, uh, like I said, yesterday was particularly stressful. So I was smoking and I even thought about that when I was in there, I was like, oh man, I, I have no interest right now in a cigarette at all, which, which is, um, not, not a very common feeling. Usually it's like me having to fight off that Mm -hmm. craving and, um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that thing in the float tank, and this is sort of what I, sometimes say to people is that I'll sometimes I'll float for, I don't know, say I'm in there for a couple hours. I'll try to float. I try to float maybe twice a week for two hours at a time, which is kind of at the kind of the higher usage end. And sometimes even at the end of that second hour, I don't want to get out of the float tank mm-hmm. and I don't want to get out of the float tank it because it feels like everything is fine. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm okay. All my needs are met. I don't have any past hurts. I don't have any future plans. I'm just, I'm, I'm content. I'm cool right with where I'm at. And I think that sort of similar feeling is, was what, the, what your thing with the smoking is. That right. you're, you're cool. Like for that moment, you're cool. You don't need to have the cigarette. Yeah. I mean, part, part of, part of my, what happens is when I, I get off the road, then I look at my calendar and I start, you know, emailing about, you know, future work and, and comedians, we have this very unpredictable, we never know when the next gig is coming in and that, and that sort of thing. So, so once I get settled in off the road, then I look at, I'm like, Oh geez, I hope I'm, (laughs) I hope I still have a job six months from now or whatever it might be. And, uh, and, and you start, I mean, 
and the, these are all things that you have to think about in your life and you have to, you know, be organized and manage your problems. And But there's only so much that you can fret about something before it's just you're just ruminating endlessly and now it's just destructive, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't have any of those thoughts that I, you know, I... I, I know better. I know from meditating that you can't just like push those thoughts out or resist them. You just have to kind of wait for it to pass by. But uh, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And and definitely while while I was floating, I was I I was definitely like, oh yeah, what what was I so worried about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have to see if you can include this into your more regular practice. I mean, this is. Which is sort of where we're positioned. I mean, we, we, we believe ourselves very firmly in the wellness space. We're not, we're not necessarily um, sort of catering to consciousness explorers or people to ha- come and have a one-off experience and thing. We, you know, we, we're, and the way our, our pricing sort of structure works and, and how we sort of get you in and out of here very efficiently, um, we're very much geared towards you coming regularly and all our, and all our clients, frankly. Mm. I am a bit interested in consciousness exploring um, as, as well. I kind of like that aspect of it, but I, I, I understand if that's yeah, not what you're. Well, well no, no. Well, the thing is, I mean, it, it, yeah. Don't get me wrong. We certainly do do that, and we right. cer- and, and I certainly enjoy all of that as well. I think it's it's just amazing. Like like all of it is fascinating. That's that's a hundred different podcasts. Right. Um, but but certainly how we communicate and how we communicate to our clients and where we're and sort of where we go out and seek these people um we're we're it's 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 more just more in the the wellness thing and if you sort of you know if you look right. look around and what this place looks like is there's you know there's no sort of psychedelic painting <laughs> paint, 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 yeah paintings yeah, on the yeah. wall black lights or whatever <laughs> and um, just, yeah, just sort of a kind of kind of a different thing. Am I allowed to take acid before my next float? Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> not. And pro- pro- probably not a good idea. I'm guessing as well. Um, from what I from what I've heard is that those powerful psychedelics in the float tank are not really that interesting in the tank anyway. Right, right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, I was just struck by um, by how much yeah. You know, because this idea that our our brains kind of are just responding to external stimulus or whatever, and, and once you take out all of that external stimulus, your your brain doesn't stop. It's still, I mean, I, I felt like I was starting to have a few daydreams here and there, or um, just some very subtle little imagery and mm-hmm. and. Um, like a, a very brief little story, I, I'd catch myself and then kind of refocus back mm-hmm. on my on my breathing. Um, it is it is interesting that uh, how uh, your your brain doesn't just shut off, <laughs> you know, and, and the absence of stimulation will almost bring out more of those things yeah yeah and that and that sort of absence of stimulation i sort of make the, the point that, that a lot of people call these things sensory deprivation tanks or isolation tanks that's that's what they sort of used to be or what a lot of people th- used to think of them we we of course trying to get away from that sort of ominous sounding language right um and call ourselves float therapy is what we do here um but really we're really only reducing the stimulation to your brain we're not really um you know know, turning it off 
it's not re- it's not really restricted. It's you know, you're still you're still you're still there. Yeah, if your if your brain turns off, you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, you just died. <laughs> yeah, apparently you have to like for my neuroscience buddy says you have to sever your spinal cord. Yeah. And then that's kind of what you can actually, if you want sensory deprivation, that's what you have to do. <laughs> right. And we don't really do that thing here. So. <laughs> no severing of spinal cords. Yeah. It probably wouldn't be as relaxing of an experience. Maybe for, maybe for a couple of seconds, could be pretty sublime. <laughs> um, so when you talk about doing, doing some um, wellness research here, some kind of broader, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, well, um, th- through Justin, we're actually doing a project here. I think it's probably going to be in April. It's going to—it's called the Blue. Mi- we're calling it the Blue Mind Project, and we're going to um, basically fly in twenty very experienced floaters from all over the country, all over North America, um, and, and that very experienced meaning a hundred plus floats. Mm-hmm. Been doing it for a long time, and we're also going to bring in twenty first-time floaters. And we're going to do um, basically EEG brain scans of people, all of them, pre-float, during the float in the float tank, and post-float. And then we're going to compare their signatures to see what the difference is between this. I think I almost got to be a a part of this. I think when you guys first reached out, but I had already had a float under my belt. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that would have been been awesome. Uh, Oh, well. Yeah, so um, that's, that's a pretty exciting thing. Um, so, so what, what are you measuring during this? Uh, brainwave activity. Okay. Um, and so very, very soon we should have our IRB approval, um, which would make us the only commercial float center in the world that would have sort of approval or authorization to do human subject research, which is pretty exciting for us. What's IRB? Uh, it's internal review board. Oh, okay. Um, and it's ba- basically any time a scientist is trying to – has any human subject for anything, they have to go through this channel. So um, I, I forget sort of the backstory on that, but apparently what, if you sort of picture back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago before this organization existed and you get some people – in labs, the scientists want to sort of find things out, and they start doing things to people that um, somebody should probably be keeping an eye on them for. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, ethical violations. Yes. Um, so, so when you talk about some of these, um, uh, you know, yogi-like um, brainwave uh, mm-hmm. levels that people are reaching during during floating. It, it, what what does that mean exactly? What what, what is the? It, it, does there seem to be any? Um, do you know anything about like what parts of the brain this is mm. taking part in, or or what what why this is important for people? I'm 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 definitely. N- not qualified to speak at this at length, <laughs> no, no or, or actually for more than probably about ten seconds. However, right. however, um, the the parts of the brain that are responsible for the positive human emotions, what they're seeing in, in Tulsa right now is sort of the in, increased blood flow to those areas of the brain, and then the mm-hmm. um, the amygdala, which is sort of the fear response thing that part of the brain reduce blood flow slows way down so that doesn't really answer your question um i think the 
<laughs> that, that's fine. Yeah. No, don't worry yeah. about it. I, I was curious. Have you had Have you had anyone have uh, where it didn't just it didn't work for them? Like they're claustrophobic, or for sure. Yeah, it, it, I imagine it's not for just like everything in life. Yeah, I mean, even though our our float cabins here are quite large, we still there's still something about being in a space with the door closed with water and the, there's no light and nobody can hear me and. People, you know, some people still they have concerns about that, and it's not that often. I would say it's probably maybe one out of three hundred people they sort of get out partway through and just be like, "I couldn't do it." Yeah, yeah. Um, we have maybe ten percent of the population that comes to us, and they're like, "Okay, I have some concern about space," and like so, like we instruct them, "Well, you can turn the light back on over here in this button, and you can leave the door open if you want." And we sort of sort of talk them through the process, which is generally generally enough to get them to stay in there. And um, like I said, occasionally people just sort of get out, and it's not for me. I'm like, okay. So I imagine a lot of your clientele has already. They are already into meditating. Absolutely or, not. No, 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 really? not, no, not. I would say maybe, maybe a third of our clients. The mm. rest are just regular folks off the street that come in and they they think it sounds interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, and we've been uh, we've, we're pretty active in the social channels. We've been getting a lot of press lately, um, which is good for us. Of course, people come and they sort of try us and check us out and. Um, yeah, it's very, the, the, the demographic of what we get here is pretty interesting. It's from millennials to retired folks, mostly sort of tapering off maybe around mid fifties kind of thing. Um, and also equal male, female, which is also very interesting. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, some people come, they, whatever housewife, and they think it's a day spa, get away from the kids. And other people are athletes or, like yourself, just very curious or mindfulness, meditation, yogis. Um, just, yeah, it's a really interesting sort of cross-section of people. It's a pretty pretty diverse group. Um, I uh, This is something you probably don't have an answer for me, but I, but I am curious if, uh, if, if people that have never meditated or anything like that if they if they tend to have more of a uh, stronger kind of reaction to it or, or if they're kind of more like blown away by it than than someone who no no actually the opposite um what what i when we're talking to people when we're getting them ready to go in the float tank and we have um as you know sort of little video we have you watch here we talk about breathing and position and how to get yourself sort of centered and present in the language that we use. Um, that's where that little bit of meditation experience really goes a long way. Mm -hmm. I, I, I look for that. It's, it becomes a very reliable predictor of how things are going to go in there. If just a little bit, n not always, but it's pretty damn near a hundred percent when people go in with a little bit of sort of, of, of that background. However, the flip side of that is I also try to look for the predictors of people that are not going to get it, you know, or the people that, that like I'm certain. And, and that is a very interesting thing where some people that come in and they'll be anxious and they'll get out and they'll be like, oh my God, that was amazing. That was beautiful. And other people will be chill and they'll be like, eh, it was okay. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, those people are sort of very low percentage of the population. Um, otherwise it'd be a really crappy business for us to be in. <laughs> it was okay float. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to change the name. 
uh, I had a mediocre float. I'll see you again next week. Yeah. Um, I, I I am curious about your um, your regular clients. Are are they more of the meditative type, or are they people that the it's probably all over the map. Are, yeah. are they a- athletes or? Yeah, no, it's actually the same thing. It's just a full cross section of people that come mm. in and float regularly. Um, yeah, and it's and it's and it's been good. And certainly, that that population is getting larger and larger. We have a lot of people that come in and float once a week. A few people that float a couple times a week. Uh, actually, you know, I mean, it's also sort of a group of people. They float for. Um, to like two and a half hours, one, at least once, maybe twice a week, sometimes as well. Mm. So people they they come and they they feel sort of how you feel now or felt before we started talking to these microphones and putting the headphone on, which was probably a bit more relaxed then. <laughs> um, and 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 recognize that that's something that that you know they're attracted to it. Like why I want to feel like that. I want to do that. Let's let's do more of that. Yeah, I definitely I could uh, I could see myself especially when i know when like my trouble days are going to mm-hmm. be or uh, when, when i wake up something like this is it uh does it is it always booked do you need something ahead of time or do you have walk-ins too? um it, it's we're, we're growing so quickly so it's kind of hard to say yeah, yeah. The, the, the weekends for sure have to book in advance right. um during the week sometimes we can fit you in but definitely suggest visiting our website because it would certainly be nice if I like wake up and I'm like, uh oh, this is this is the day. I'm sure. gonna, I'm, I'm going to get hit and then give you guys a call and 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 run over. I guess it's always worth checking. Um, so so if someone's say say someone's getting a, uh, a a float gift for someone or or they want to try it and they're like, oh, I'm going to schedule an appointment two weeks from now. Um, are are there any do you have any recommendations as far as you know starting to maybe try meditating for those couple of weeks ahead of time that will certainly that would be helpful but at that point it, it sort of then it becomes the, work yeah the work and the sort of the pressure and the expectation and right. sort of that i i i i i wouldn't sort of necessarily suggest them to go that direction just sort of just just come and sort of do it and let us coach you through it as best we can okay um it's a good question though yeah uh how long have you been floating uh next month it will be three years oh only three years yep okay. very very when, very new when what was uh what was your first experience <laughs> what, what what uh what drew you to it um like a lot of people had heard of it from through rogan and joe rogan and um i had heard of it i don't know maybe a, a few three four years before that he was giving away one of his old tanks and he did some i don't know way pre-podcasting some video blog or something and he was talking about giving away his tank and um i was like oh this floating thing wow sounds really interesting and he's been a very uh, outspoken proponent of floating for a long time and uh sounded interesting never really got around to doing it and then um like I said, about three years ago, um, my wife, who was eight months pregnant um, with our daughter at the time, I was reading something about it. I was like, oh, this is really awesome for 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 um, pregnant you know pregnant women as well. I'm like, honey, you want to do this? So we, sure. And so we drove down an hour one way down to Laguna Beach and saw some friends of ours down there uh, at Float Lounge, or the now since become our friends and. Um, 
while I was having my first float, my wife was floating with our baby for the first time. She got to hear actually baby's heartbeat along with her own heartbeat mm. uh, underwater at the same time. So she was having her own little lovely experience. Um, and uh, for me, I got out of the float tank and I knew immediately something was on, meaning like I was going to do this in some way to share this with sort of people mm-hmm. because it was very obvious to me that, that, that this needed to be more available. I, that was, that was a question I was asking myself is why is this not more available? This thing is no joke. This is a tool that people need to have access to. And I looked around and there was um, not a lot offered in Southern California and few float centers around the country were doing well. Um, the float on guys up in Portland, uh, doing an excellent job running their float center up there. Um, very, very busy float center. And, um, and just launched on that day that I knew I'm, I was going to be involved in this industry. Um, prior to that, I, I, I've been a serial entrepreneur my whole career. I've got an MBA. I know business and I've owned manufacturing businesses and service businesses and sort of done, done a lot of different things. And I know how to build stuff. Um, and just sort of combined my business acumen with this just absolute craze passion for floating and you know and here we are Mm, that's interesting so if if you don't want to get into the float business but you want to have access to floating all the time how 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 much is one of these float cabins going to set me back to install in my home uh (laughs) these are very very expensive they're they're, they're by far you don't have to share no no they're um retail price eighty thousand oh wow Really? Yeah. I well, I was curious. What were the uh, jets after I got out? Was that like a cleaning thing? Or yeah, something that's like that's that? part of the the circulation and disinfection process that we use here. Mm. Um, on the back of the wall that you can't see, there's a very large uh, pool pump and pool filter and hydrogen peroxide doser um, and also a ultraviolet sterilizer. Mm. Um, and so we're circulating and filtering the water and. Um, using these sort of um, tools to make the water extremely clean. Yeah, that's good to hear because that's I, I have I have zero claustrophobia or anything like that. I have no problems with water, but but definitely like the germ thing. The germ thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, w- water quality is a really big deal uh, in float tanks. It's it definitely is a shared water facility, um, meaning that. Uh, uh, the 260 gallons of water that's in there, um, and there's 1,300 pounds of dissolved Epsom salt, and that 1,300 pounds of dissolved Epsom salt, um, it's 700 bucks. So mm-hmm. we're definitely not dumping it every time. Right. Um, however, um, what we do is when we run it through that disinfection process um, and 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 treat the water, that the water, um, and this certainly wasn't my doing, but but um, we hired. Um, one of the top water sanitation engineers in the country to help us develop this particular system of how we manage and treat our water here. And the water quality here is sublime. There's absolutely nothing going on in there except water and Epsom salt. Mm, that's awesome. Um, so you, you mentioned your, your wife, your wife when she was pregnant floating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading some journals in, in the back. Uh, so, so kids come in and float too sometimes with like their parents. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the youngest that we float, well, I actually just was just in the tank, uh, with my daughter, um, while you were in the tank, I was in the tank, uh, sort of adjoining you and uh, my daughter's of course coming up on three in May 
And she goes in and she's well, she'll she'll float for very short periods. Yeah, um, me, me, meaning like, you know, like a few seconds at a time, kind of thing. And then right. we just kind of play around, and you've got to have to manage the salt. It's a little bit tricky. That's kind of the hardest part about it to get you know sort of kids to be still. Um, right. But I'm sort of slowly breaking her in, and um, hope I'm, I suspect by the time she's five, she'll be grooving on her own. But because she can come to work and float with daddy whenever she wants. So right. Um, but we've had a few kids um, around seven or so that come in and float with their parents and. Same kind of thing. It depends on the kid and how still they're going to be. And <laughs> they certainly can't move around or spaz out because it'll just, they'll get, you know, if they reach up with the wet hand and, you know, get the salt in their eyes, then it's, that's pretty much over at that point. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's something like they, I, I often, I often look back and wish that, you know, meditation were, had been taught in school and everything when I was young. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, I wonder. I probably wouldn't have been the best student back then. It must. It's probably a bit difficult to get kids to uh, settle down a little bit. Well, I, I think this is this is becoming certainly more common now. Doing sort of mindfulness kind of things in school, um, sort of you know same same thing. Like in my newsfeed, of course, I've got it set up to show me the kind of articles that I want to see. But I see these articles weekly all the time new school district playing around with the thing increased test scores kids are sitting still kids are doing better just so it's 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 kind of going from it, it's the next five years is gonna be very interesting in this whole space about it's you know this you know it's application people that are mindful they're happier they feel better they're more productive they're just sort of be- they're, they're nicer humans to be around mm-hmm. and um, and even the young ones, I mean, even our daughter, we do uh, every day, we do at least five minutes, maybe once or twice a day of sort of mindfulness exercises with her, which is something as simple as whatever, stare at the rock or pick a flower and look at it very closely and sit and, st- and just and just stare at it. And don't talk, just observe, be still and trying to get her used to what that thing feels like where it's not just, you know, because most kids are just you know, and whatever, and adults like us are just like totally manic all the time. Like, mm-hmm. oh shit, go, it's on. It's, you know, it's, it's from the time your eyes open in the morning to, you know, the little hamster gets on the wheel and just hauls ass all day until you fall over at night. Yeah. You know, and it just, and that's, that, that, there's, there, there seems to be some evidence to suggest it's a good idea to give the hamster a break every once in a while. Yeah. I think we're kind of stimulation junkies and, yes. and everything. Everything needs to be faster and furiouser with each new movie needs mm-hmm. even bigger explosions. Yep. And and uh, I think we're kind of um, getting numb to actual life and yeah. actual I, yeah, existence. I, yeah, I agree. It becomes, you know, certainly here in L.A. that, that everything, it's about sort of what, you know, you know, entertain me or where is my next sensory hit going to come from? Is it whether it's sort of the food or the, you know, like, or whatever the, you know, the drink or your drugs or, you know, the sex or like whatever it is, is always sort of looking for that next sort of sensory bump thing. And, um, and, you know, that's, that's, you know, that, that path is not infinite. It's fun and it's awesome and it's beautiful and experience as part of being, you know, the human thing. But, um, there's, there's definitely an end to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, as I go off, uh, I'm probably leaving here and going to go rock climbing to get my adrenaline. Oh, fixed I'll, in, go, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go with you. I climb as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, 
uh, well, I guess before we go climbing then, um, <laughs> as we're wrapping up, uh, I always have my guest each week plug a, uh, a charity of their choice. So, Oh, oh Sava, um, S-E-V-A, uh, the uh, foundation, they help restore eyesight um, and a uh, really lovely organization. Oh, interesting. So, 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 so check them out and... Uh, um, I've had an eye doctor on the program before. Oh, he, that, he, so. he knows who they are. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So everyone can go to the herewearepodcast.com website. Uh, any any um, last points that you want to touch on as far as, especially um, it, it, any pitch, any kind of common, are there any kind of common apprehensions other than other than um, like claustrophobic things, are, uh, things where you think people are maybe just kind of closed off to the idea in general. Like I, I talked about myself often, it, you know, it took me a while to warm up to some of these things that get labeled as like new agey ideas or, or whatever. Is it, is there anything? <laughs> my, 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 my. I would say, I mean, certainly self-serving, but my best advice and thought on that is, is to come try it. And yeah. certainly how we have it set up, it's, it's regularly 60 bucks for a float. It's, ha- it's still half off your first float, so it's 30 bucks to, oh, come, to come try it. Um, and then also, um, if you find that you're, sort of, you f- you're, you're more interested and you want to do more of it, or certainly falling in love with it, um, we have plans where, like monthly plan, if you float four times in a month, they're 40 bucks a piece. Mm. Um, and you can, there's no contract, and you can share the plan with another person, and unused floats roll over indefinitely. We never try to yank them back from you. Like, um, we're just, um, so we, tr- we try to make it very easy. Um, you know, we're right here in Pasadena, right off of Colorado and Lake, very easy parking and easy to get in and out of very sort of seamless process. So we try yeah, to, I did that saying a lot in, in, uh, <laughs> in LA in general and around this area, I found a parking spot. No problem. Beautiful. And I don't get to see it, say that very often. Yes. And there, was, yeah, and there was no, there was no meter and no guy that was ready to write you a tickets. Right. And uh, yeah, I also would encourage people to not just look at our website, um, but also check us out on this, all the social channels as well. We, we, we spend a great deal of time putting up quality content that actually supports what we're doing here that um, hopefully our, our fans find interesting. And when the research comes online and new, new sort of things or findings. Um, so definitely check us out on the social channels as well. So that's just float.com. And then what's the Twitter? Uh, and- yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twitter's also just float. Uh, just float Inc. on Instagram, um, Facebook, just float. Terrific. So everyone, uh, I, I think my audience is maybe the, the, the other way. They're probably very interested now, but, uh, so, so even if you are super interested, maybe before you go for the whole $80,000 install into your home, maybe come into just float <laughs> for, for a visit and try it for 30 bucks first and maybe, maybe get yourself a, a month pass or, or something like that. So, uh, it's something everyone should try. Uh, this is my second one and, um, it, it could have, it could have been just that it's it was a, a bit better facilities. It could have been that it was my second time. My my guess is that it was both. Uh, but but this was today was a really amazing, uh, fantastic experience, and I am feeling so much better than I did uh, earlier in the day. And so uh, thank you, Jim Hefner, for 
uh, one hooking me up with a float and two, <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost and and two sitting down to talk with me and uh and spread the word and and i really do hope more people get into this beautiful well thanks for the opportunity to to float you and to uh chat about floating and uh you know if you're interested we'll do it again sounds fantastic and thank you listeners for being curious and i'll talk with you next week Next week on the program, one of my favorite evolutionary psychologists out there. I've been trying to get this guy for some time and and made a special trip through Albuquerque on my way back uh, to get off the road um, a few weeks ago, specifically just so I could stop through and get an interview with my friend Jeffrey Miller, who wrote the book, uh, Spent and Mating Mind and his new book, Mate. Um, uh, We talk a lot about his book, Mating Mind, which was one of the first evolutionary psychology books that I read, and it it just really grabbed me and uh, is incredibly interesting. And so, yeah, if, if, if that's something, if you wanted to prep for next week, which is unnecessary, but, um, but you can. You can get the book Mating Mind. I recommend it anyway, even if you're not getting it um, in time for the episode. But uh, tune in next week and you'll hear a lot more uh, from him. And thank you all for listening and rating and reviewing. You guys are awesome. I'm Kyle Ayers. I'm the host of Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen, and then we give them a read in studio. This is a clip I want to play for you guys from an episode where Langston Kerman rewrites Scarface. He's never seen it, but he wrote a script based on what he thinks he knows about it. And here's a clip. Give it a listen. All right. Scarface, the new frontier. Interior, happening discotheque. Remember when we call clubs discotheques? <laughs> LOL, the 70s were crazy. Night. The crowd bustles with young, hot Mexicans who are supposed to be Cuban and all are dressed in butterfly collared shirts and pants that look like Jinko jeans and pleated khakis had a really weird baby. <laughs> There's sex in the air and Poppy wants a whiff. <laughs> oh, my God. Scarface, 22 to 45. (laughs) Like he's a television audience demographic? Devilishly handsome. Not even a little bit Italian looking, so get that out of your dumb brain. Walks through the crowd with the confidence of a man who's going on MTV Cribs with the Yin Yang Twins. (laughs) Does he actually have a scar on his face? Fuck no. Why would he even why would you even ask that? That's not important. What's important is that he is not at all a problematic stereotype and that he has come for his cocaine. As he approaches the red rope of the VIP, pronounced ve-a-pe in Spanish, (laughs) he spots his dear friend, who is almost certainly going to become his enemy by the end of the film, Smooth Skin. Scarface yells out his signature line. (laughs) Ciao, Bella. It's me, Scarface. (laughs) 